done, we are reading just one verse of Scripture as our text. It has been our text throughout this series of study. Uh, Luke 11, verse 1, it came to pass that as he was praying, that is, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Amen. Something about the prayer that Jesus was praying. I, I've said it time and again. I, I just believe these men had already spent enough time with the Lord that they knew some basics about prayer. I, I, I just I can't believe that they've been with him uh, for any amount of time and didn't pick up a few things about prayer. But they still desired to to have a better prayer life. They wanted to accomplish more in their prayers. And, and I pray that that is our goal, each and every one of us. I don't ever want us to get to the place that we're content with our prayer life. I really don't. I, I want us to be constantly striving to go deeper in prayer and to see greater things accomplished as a result of our prayer. And so that's what this series has been all about. It's not because none of you know how to pray, but it's, it's trying to help us glean some things from some prayers that we know were successful. And, and we're not going to memorize the words of those, prayer, but those prayers, but I do think it's good for us to examine the content and, and the method of prayer that was used. And we've already spent some time dealing with the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and we want to look at another prayer tonight uh, as we continue on. I think this is our fifth lesson um, that we have titled The Power of a Proper Prayer. Amen. Let's put our Bibles down and let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. I really do believe he wants to talk to our hearts. Let's everybody, everybody reach out to him right now. Can we do that, Thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's worship him one more time, everybody. Let's give God some worship and adoration right now before we're seated. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We, we started in our last lesson to, to take a look at the prayer that Elijah prayed uh, on Mount Carmel when the fire of God fell. And it is a notable prayer, and there are some things about this prayer that, that I believe um, will help us in our prayer lives if we can learn some of these principles. Now, uh, I've, I've tried to point out to you that it's not always in the quantity of prayer. Uh, it's not about how long you're able to pray. 
Amen. It's not about how long you are able to pray. But, uh, but, but I, I, I believe, and this prayer on Mount Carmel is a prayer that in our King James Bible con- contains just over 60 words, a total of 63 words in our King James Bible, which is really a relatively short prayer. Now, it's not that God is impressed by shortness or brevity, but I'm going to tell you, Elijah walked with God. He had a regular prayer life. And so when he really needed God to come through, he didn't have to pray for five hours. Amen. You know, I've I've often said, people ask, well, how often should we pray through? And, and, And my response is this, you ought to pray through often enough that you can just stay through. You don't have to fight to get through every time, but, but you're walking with God on a daily basis and you're communing with him on a daily basis. Hallelujah. I, uh, I remember hearing a, uh, a preacher talk about um, a letter to the editor some years ago. Uh, their city had been, uh, had been um, hit very hard by uh, I want to say it was some kind of tropical storm or or hurricane that had come through and and it had it had just devastated much of the city and sometime after that there was a letter to the editor in the newspaper some of you young people don't even know what a newspaper is I know that's um, that's one of those other things you have to go to a museum to see anymore but but um, uh, anyhow uh, that, that was, you know, that was one of the few things I really enjoyed reading when I took a newspaper on a regular basis. I, I like to read the letters to the editor and, and just see what people were thinking. And, and somebody wrote in and said, you know, I've never really been much of a believer in God, but when this storm started our way, I thought, well, I'll try it and I'll, I'll cry out to God. And so I did my best and, and I prayed and in spite of my prayers, my house was destroyed and we lost everything. And so I've come to the conclusion that there is no God or if there is he just doesn't answer our prayers and the preacher said that the response from the editor which is a pretty amazing response if you ask me but said the editor said you know I don't know that much about religion and I don't know that much about God but you tell me that you really have never tried praying he said I just got a feeling God was busy listening to his regular customers well hallelujah You know, I mean, we've got some places we go eat on a regular basis. We walk in. We don't even have to order. They know what we want to drink. They they know we're regular customers. They'll find a table for us. They'll make sure that we get what we need because we're regular customers. And I'm telling you, I don't, I don't know that the editor, uh, by his own admission, didn't know much about God, but I do think there's something to what he said. I, I do think that God pays close attention to his regular customers. I think if we can get into the practice and into the habit of a daily communion with God, then when we speak, God recognizes that voice. Well, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And that's the way it was, I believe, with Elijah. And I believe it is important for us. But I also do recognize that in the midst of this prayer, there are some things 
that some principles that Elijah used that I believe helped this prayer to be even more effective. And, and so we're going to look at some of those things tonight. First of all, let's just start out by reading this prayer of Elijah. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verses 36 and 37, just two verses. And this is his prayer in its entirety. Now remember, this is the prayer that brought fire. Remember... Remember that the prophets of Baal had spent the entire day praying to their God. Dancing, cutting themselves, doing everything they knew to do, and their God didn't answer. And Elijah stood up and, and with just 60 words brought the fire. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, one of the things we talked about last week was don't write this off to the fact that Elijah was a prophet. He was a prophet, but there was something more going on because when we read about Elijah in the book of James, James said he was a man subject to like passions as we are. He didn't say Elijah got his prayer answered because he had a special position with God. He said Elijah was a man subject to like passions. In fact, in our last lesson, that's exactly what we talked about. How that he started feeling sorry for himself. You know, went off and, and, and hid under a juniper tree and cried out for God to just kill him. And, and, and he came to the place later on where he said, God, there's nobody else even living for you but me. I'm telling you, he was a man subject to like passions as we are. He was a human being. Yes, he had the office of a prophet, but what happened on Mount Carmel wasn't because he was a prophet. It was because of his walk with God. Well, hallelujah. Amen. And so let's look at this prayer, this simple prayer that he prayed. Uh, let's, let's read. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel... Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, and that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. All right. And I, I said it was two verses. It's actually just half, the last half of verse 36 and all of 37. So you really got a verse and a half. That's his prayer. And yet it was a prayer that was powerful, a prayer that moved the heart of God. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And so we want to just take this prayer, and we're going to take it uh, sometimes uh, phrase by phrase, and we want to look at it tonight because I do believe that there are some things about this prayer that we can employ in our own prayer life, and I believe we can be just as effective in our prayer life as Elijah was. Thank you for the few amens. But I'm going to say it again. I believe every one of us can have that same kind of effectual prayer as what Elijah had. I don't think you have to be a prophet. I don't think you have to be a preacher. I believe you as a saint of God can touch God and move heaven with your prayers. Hallelujah. Amen. Part of the reason we don't is we don't have faith in our own prayers. We really don't. We just don't believe God's going to hear us for whatever reason. But I want to I help to 
change all of that. So let's go back and let's start again with verse 36. And, and, and I want to show you something. I want to show you some principles from this particular prayer tonight. Amen. So let's, let's go back and, and I'll tell you what, we, we know the first part of that. So just start with what Elijah said. He Lord, starts, that's it. Lord God of Abraham, of Abraham, Isaac and, and of Israel. Isaac and of Israel. Now let's just stop right there. This is the first thing that I want you to notice that when, when Elijah opened this prayer, he opened it with a link to the past. He opened it with a link to the past. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Now, I want to tell you, there's only one other place that this particular phrase is used up until this point. There was only one other time that these words appeared as they are written here. And I have no doubt that Elijah knew that. And Elijah was appealing to that very moment. Now, let me tell you what it was. Let's, let's go. In fact, uh, I'll read the whole thing. Have you read the whole thing in just a minute? But I want you to, to go to Exodus chapter 3 and just go down to verse number 6. Amen. This is... This is uh, uh, Maybe we do need to read a little bit more than that so we can set the stage and everybody can know exactly what we're talking about. So uh, let's, let's go to verse 2 first of all. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and beheld the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. All right, so, so this is where we're at. And then we go to verse 6. Moreover, he said, the voice that spoke out of that burning bush said, I am the God, I of, my am the God of thy father, the God of the Abraham, God of, Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, I'm telling you, I believe that when Elijah stood on Mount Carmel, he had a reason for praying the way he was praying. He was reminding every Jew around there of the words that came from that bush unto Moses. Uh, Elijah said, I'm not here to introduce you to some new God that's what these prophets are trying to do but I want to take you back to the God of Moses I want to take you back to the God that delivered us from the bondage of Egypt oh hallelujah I want to take you back to the God that set fire to that bush what is it that we're needing right now on Mount Carmel we say he said let the God that answers by by fire let him be God and so Elijah went back to the last time that God spoke by a fire and he reminded the people of Israel that's who this God is this is not something new this is not some newfangled idea I'm not trying to bring about some kind of a new concept but I'm going back to our fathers I'm going back to what we were founded on I'm going back to what we were built upon that's the God that I implore today. Well, hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. I'm telling you that this kind of a prayer would carry the thoughts of those that were there back to the burning bush and to the words that were spoken. 
because this was the only other time that we have recorded that this phrase was used and now it's used to stir their faith and prepare them in some degree for God to answer by fire hallelujah amen I'm telling you I'm telling you that this was important when Moses wanted God to answer he wasn't just talking to the Israelites but he was letting God know as well that God we're not looking for some new modern way we're not trying to find the latest fads we're not getting out the smoke machines and the colored lights but we're going back to what our fathers had we want the same experience that our fathers had we want the same fire that our fathers had we want the same outpouring that our fathers had I'm telling you there was something about this phrase that worked the first time it was spoken. Let's go back and read the whole story now. This is in Exodus chapter 3. And, and we'll start with verse 1 and read down through verse 6. But I want you to hear the whole story. I want to show you something about this. Let's read. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will not turn aside and see this. I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. Now, now, now look, Moses saw something unusual, and, and it piqued his interest. And he said, I'm... I know I'm in the middle of my job right now, but this is curious. This bush is on fire, but it just keeps burning. And, and normally a bush would be consumed and the fire would either spread or it would go out if the bush was alone. But it doesn't go out and it doesn't spread. Something unusual about this. And it stirred up something in the heart and the mind of Moses. And so what happened? Verse 4. And when the Lord saw that when the Lord saw, oh, I could preach for a little while about this. When the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to see, God called to him, God out, called of unto him out of the midst of the bush and, he said, and said, Moses, 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 Moses. Now listen to me, church. Here's what happened. God gave him just enough of a glimpse of his glory that it ought to excite an interest in Moses' heart. But I'm telling you, God didn't speak until he saw that Moses cared about it. Until he saw that Moses was interested in it. Hear me tonight. I'm telling you, when the Holy Ghost starts moving the way it was moving as we were singing tonight, I'm going to tell you something. Don't wait for God to come and grab you by the nap of the neck and throw you down here and start making you jump around. God's going to get enough of a fire going and then he's going to sit back and watch and see just how interested you are. But I'm telling you to those that are interested, God's not going to stop with the burning bush. To those that are interested and those that have got a hunger for it, those who've got an interest, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Those who really say, I know there's something going on around here. God starts talking. Hey, listen to me, saint of God. I'm telling you, we... we the Bible says we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. And I'm going to tell you, 
I don't know. I don't want to blame the devil for everything. And I want to be careful because it was probably somebody that was very well-meaning that started this whole deal. But somewhere, somewhere way back in Pentecost, we got to where people started judging worshipers as to whether they were in the spirit or in the flesh. Well, I want to tell you something. Honest confession is good for the soul. There's never been a time in all my life that I've ever worshiped God that I wasn't in my flesh. Now, hopefully my flesh was also in the spirit, but I was in my flesh. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm really not all that anxious to have some of you leaving your body and start worshiping. Well, but I'm going to tell you, here's why there's a problem with that. Because what's happened is that some of you have gotten it in your mind that unless the Holy Ghost just grabs you by the shoulders and shakes you real hard, then you can't move. The Bible said, oh, clap your hands, all your people. Can we clap our hands to God right now? Now, wait a minute. Stop, stop. Were you in the spirit or in the flesh? How come you can clap without the Holy Ghost taking both your hands? But you can't run the aisles unless the Holy Ghost gets a hold of your feet. Well, I know I'm shaking up some theology tonight, but I'm going to tell you what God does in most services is he just lights a little bush and then he stands back to see who's interested enough to turn aside, who's interested enough to come and find out more about what I'm trying to do right now and what I'm trying to say right now. Oh, hallelujah. And when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside, that's when God called him by name. Hallelujah. But not until then. I'm telling you, had Moses kept on walking that day, I don't believe he ever would have heard a thing out of that bush. But there was something in his heart that he said, I got to check this out. I got to experience this for myself. Are you hearing me? That's the reason why the devil keeps some of you so bound. We, we pray with you, pray with you, pray with you. You can't break through. You know why? Because you're waiting on the Holy Ghost to push you through. Well, you're waiting on the Holy Ghost to make you get through. And the Holy Ghost is not going to do that. But I'm going to tell you what he will do. He'll start the fire. And then if you want it bad enough, you can start pursuing it. If you want it bad enough, you'll start pushing a little harder. Well. Well, I'm afraid I'll get in the flesh. Well, I hope you don't get out of it. But I'm going to tell you this. I believe there are times that we start out with our own strength and our own ability. But in the midst of all that, the Holy Ghost meets with us because he saw our hunger. He saw our desire. 
I'm telling you, one of the greatest miracles that happened in my lifetime, brother, brother Bobby Stovall, uh, he was a, he was a, a, a preacher in my home church, and uh, they were working on the, on the Sunday school annex, and, and he fell from the rafters and hit the concrete below, and, and uh, nobody there but the pastor's youngest boy, and, and he went running to try to get his dad, and his dad said, well, by the time I got to him, his eyes were set in his head, and he was already blue, and he wasn't breathing. He said, there were bones literally protruding from the skin when I found him. But, but the elders started praying and, and he opened his eyes and, and God began to put the bones back into place and, and uh, uh, he brought him back to life. And I wasn't there when all that happened, but I was there that Sunday night afterwards. Brother Stovall still, now God had brought him back to life, but he still, he, he was, I don't, I don't know what the word is, uh, on this side of the Mason-Dixon, but when I was raised in the South, we used to say he was all stove up. You know, you know what that means. You, you know what I'm talking about. He, he couldn't hardly move. He, he couldn't hardly bend any of his joints. And, and I watched him just barely creep into the church that night. And, and, and he, he just slowly let himself down into the pew. He could just barely move. And, and boy, the Holy Ghost got to move in that night. The Spirit of God started falling. And I'll never forget that moment when the elder looked down and pointed right at Brother Stovall. And he said, the Holy Ghost wants you to run. And we all turned around to look to see who he's pointing at. And Brother Stovall said, me? And the elder said, yes, you. He pushed himself out of that seat to the best of his ability. And he stuck one leg out of that pew, 15 and a half triple A shoe. That's right, I'm not exaggerating. He had a ski at the bottom of his ankle. He, he took that foot and he put it out there in the aisle, he pushed himself on out, and he slowly took another step. He took about two or three of those steps when, and doing the best he could to move, and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost hit him, and he took off like there was nothing wrong with him, and he made several laps around that sanctuary running full speed, and God healed him completely. Now, I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost didn't pick him up out of the pew. And that's what I'm trying to tell some of you. The reason you didn't get a blessing tonight, because you just sat back and let the bush burn. You just sitting back letting it burn. And God says, all right, all right, you're not getting anything until you get interested enough to turn aside and see. I want to see what you're going to do. I want to see how you're going to respond to the fire that I'm sending right now. Oh, hear me, somebody. I'm telling you, there's still victory in this service. If you want to break through, if you want to get free, it's still available. The fire's still burning, and God's just waiting on somebody to show that they're really interested. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So God said, Moses, Moses, 
And he said, here am I. Let's read on, verse 5. And he said, draw not nigh hither. God said, don't get too close now. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. There's some things you're going to have to correct first. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, now, now, hang on, hang on. I've got to be careful here, but, but uh, let me just tell you something. There's sometimes God does ask us, if you really want to get close to me, there's some things you're going to have to get rid of. You really want to get close to me. Now look, he's walking up towards a fire. The ground surely is getting warm. Barefoot is not the condition most people want to approach a fire in. Hello? But God said, if you want to get close to me, there's some things you're going to have to get rid of. You want to get close to me? There's some things about the way you're dressed that I don't like. Well, it's getting quiet now. I'm just talking about this God that we serve. This is what he said. He said, look, Moses, this is not like any other ground. This is holy ground. And if you want to stand on holy ground, and if you want to know what I've got to say, you're going to have to make some changes in your life. All right, all right. I lost some of you on that one, so let's press on. Now, now, now he turned aside to see. And God called him by name. And God told him, you've got to make some changes. And then in verse 6, he says, Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy over, father. He said, I'm the God of thy father. The God of Abraham, God of Abraham the, God of Isaac, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob. Now look, and Moses, and Moses hid, his face, hid his face. For he was afraid to look upon him. Now, here's what I want to tell you, church. The fire alone didn't make Moses hide his face. The voice coming out of the fire didn't make Moses hide his face. The command to put off his shoes and the declaration that this was holy ground didn't make Moses hide his face. But Moses hid his face when God identified with the past. When he said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then Moses knew this is not just anybody. This is the same God my fathers worshipped. This is the same God, amen, that this, that, that this entire race it was called apart to worship. Hey, church, I'm going to tell you something. Amen. When Moses realized that this was the God that his fathers worshipped, he knew then this was the real thing. I'm going to tell you, we are living in an age where even men that call themselves conservative have started adopting a whole lot of newfangled ideas and bringing a whole lot of music into the church that I don't believe God's happy with. Now, don't bail out on me now. There's 
there's a whole lot of things going on. I'm telling you, I've seen, I've seen some of these social media posts and people say, oh, what a move of God. And I'm thinking, dear Lord, if that's the deepest move of God you've ever seen, you ain't seen much. Well, all right. Am I still pastor around here? I can still pastor a little bit, huh? Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something, church. We better not lose our connection to what our forefathers handed us. I want my children and my grandchildren to know the exact same Pentecost that I was introduced to in 1970. I want them to know the same move of God that I experienced. I don't want it to take fog machines and flashing lights and rock music. I don't want it to take a bunch of hype and nonsense. I don't want it to take all of that, but I want them to know the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I want them to know the same God that I was introduced to as a boy. Well, hallelujah. Jeremiah 6.16 says this. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Stand ye in the way. Stand ye in the way. And see. And see. And ask for the old paths. Where is the Where good is way? the good way? And walk and therein. Walk therein. You and you rest. shall find rest for your souls. I'm going to tell you, God said the good way is the old way. He said that's where you're really going to find rest for your soul. Isn't it amazing that you go back 50 years and every church, I don't care who they were, every church preached against some things. You know it's not like me to call names, but I'm going to tell you, it hadn't been that many years ago that the Baptists and the Nazarenes and the Methodists preached against dancing. They don't do that anymore. They used to preach against alcohol. They don't do that anymore. They used to preach against cigarettes. They don't do that anymore. I'm just telling you the truth. What happened? Who changed? I'm telling you, it's only been the last 20 years that some of the Nazarenes in this very city have laid down their holiness standards. When we first moved here, we used to go into restaurants all the time and think we were looking at apostolic people and go and ask them and they'd get offended. We're not Pentecostal, we're Nazarene. That's only been 20 years ago. And now I'm looking at the Pentecostal movement. I'm watching one God people start looking as much like the world as they possibly can. They're picking up as many of the ways of the world as they can. Well, the Bible doesn't really say this is wrong. And the Bible doesn't really say that's wrong. And the Bible doesn't really say another thing's wrong. Well, I'm going to tell you, here's the problem. There's a slippery slope. And when you start questioning what our forefathers preached, it's a slippery slope. I'm telling you, my friend, you start going downhill fast. Right, 
I'm just telling you, amen, there was something about it that Moses realized. Uh, this is not uh, just any God, but this is the same God that Abraham worshipped. Uh, this is the same God that Isaac worshipped. This is the same God that Jacob worshipped. And that's the God I want to worship. Well, I'm losing some of you here tonight, but it's the truth anyhow. Listen, even Peter in the New Testament drew a direct connection between the way it was of old and the way it should be today. First Peter chapter three, verses one through five. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Uh-huh. While they be while they behold your chaste conversation uh -huh. coupled with fear, right. whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair, uh -huh. wearing of gold, or putting on of apparel, uh -huh. but let it be the hidden man of the heart, right. in that which is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, right. which is in the sight of of God of great price. Yeah, now listen to what he says, verse 5. For after this manner. For after this manner. In the old in time. In the old time. The old the women. Holy women the holy also, women also. Who trusted, who trusted in, in God. God adorned, themselves, adorned themselves. Being in subjection. Being in subjection. Here's what Peter said. He said, just take a look at the way it's always been done. We're not changing anything. The same way they dressed is the way we're going to dress. The same way they lived is the way we're going to live. We're not going to change it just because it's 2018. Malachi 3 and 6, he said, I am the Lord, I change not. Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today. Is somebody going to help me preach tonight? He's the same yesterday and today and forever. I'm telling you, what we preached against 20 years ago, we need to still be preaching against. What we preached against 50 years ago, we need to still be preaching against. And it needs to be more than just being preached. It needs to be lived. It needs to be obeyed. I get shocked sometimes because I've honestly had people say, well, you hadn't said anything about it in a while, so we thought you changed your mind. Well, I want to tell you something. Even if I changed my mind, God hadn't changed his. What did James say? What did James tell us about this God we serve in James chapter 1, verse 17? Every good gift and every perfect good gift, gift and every perfect gift from, from above, above and come it comes down, down from the Father, the Father of, lights, of Lights with whom, with whom listen no to this, there's no variableness. Neither shadow of turning. Not so much as a shadow of turning. Did we talk about this just recently or was that in Africa? I don't remember now talking about what he means by this whole shadow of turning. It's a reference to the old sundial that the sun didn't have to move very far in the sky and the shadow would change on that. And what James was saying was God ain't moving. Not even one degree. 
He's not one degree different now than he was when he said, let there be light. He's not different today. All right, all right, all right. You're not liking that, some of you, but it's the truth anyhow. Our doctrine, our form of worship, our standards of holiness need to stay the same. We don't need to start examining how we can change. We don't need to start trying to figure out how we can let down and what things we can get around and get away with. No, 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 not in this hour. Not in this hour. We don't need to be letting down anything. All right, how much time do I have? I got 15 minutes and I still got three and a half pages, which means I've used two and a half. Uh, in 45 minutes, I don't think I'm gonna get it done, but here we go. So the first thing, the first thing about this prayer is that Elijah recognized that God doesn't change. And he tied God in to the past. We don't have to do all the things that the prophets of Baal are doing because they're not getting anything done anyhow. All they're doing is hurting themselves. That's right. They're just cutting themselves. They're the ones bleeding all over everywhere. They're not getting any fire. It's not any, there's not any more flame here now than there was before they started this morning. So why do we want to imitate their worship? Well, hallelujah. Why do we want to try to take their songs, their music? Well, One of these nights, one of these nights, I'll teach on music again. It's been too long. It's been too long. But I'm going to tell you, not every form of, of music is acceptable to God. And this is not just some old fogey preacher saying this. I wrote a book some years ago. Uh, thanks to Brother Josh, you can still get it on, I think, Amazon and uh, what? Apple. Apple. You can get it through iTunes. You can get it for the Kindle. It's still available, uh, just a few dollars, and you can get it. It needs to be updated. It was written in the 80s, but I did a good deal of research, and I showed how that certain forms and styles of music actually have a negative effect upon our physiology. It, it has an effect upon our bodies, even to the point, believe it or not, of destroying brain cells. And I'm not talking about the words or the volume talking about the styles and, and like I said it needs to be updated because and I think I may have mentioned this in a recent lesson but, but uh, rap music wasn't even around when, when I wrote my book and boy I need, to, I need to be sure I go back and add something about that 
First of all, I would hope to God that nobody that calls themselves a Christian would listen to secular rap. The filthy language and sexualization of women and I would hope and pray you don't listen to that. But I'm going to tell you, even if you try to put some Christian words to it, this is a fact. This is a fact. They took rap music and played it for laboratory rats. Now, the rats don't understand the language. They don't know the words. But, but that music started playing, and within moments, those rats started mating. Because that style stirs up carnal emotions. And I don't care what words you put to it, it's the style that does it. That's another lesson for another night, but it's the truth anyhow. Hallelujah. So don't talk to me about Christian rap. As you might as well talk about Christian fornication. To put it bluntly, there ain't no such thing. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. Now, I'm not telling you you got to listen to the bluegrass. I don't listen to much of that myself if I can get around it. But I don't preach against it. I just don't like it. But I am telling you, we need to be careful what style. You know, what concord hath Christ with Belial? What fellowship hath light with darkness? When we start taking things that are, that are evil and trying to Christianize it, we're no better than the Catholic Church. Because that's what they did. They took pagan gods and tried to Christianize it. So we're taking pagan music and trying to Christianize it. Oh well, how did I get off on that? I don't know, but I don't apologize. I know how I did, because there's no variableness in the God that we serve. There's not so much as the shadow of turning in him. And I'm going to tell you, I believe that when our hearts are set to seek God in the old-fashioned way, we're not looking for a quick fix. We're not trying to put God on our time schedule. We're not trying to box God in that it's got to be this way. That's, that, again, I, I want to be careful. Becca, you better come. I'm getting off on too many other things right now. But, but, but you know, that's one of the problems when we start fleecing the Lord. You, you heard that term. Somebody said, I'm going to put a fleece before the Lord, like Gideon did. And um, one of the problems is you start doing that, God may have a third option you hadn't considered. You're telling God either do this or do this. God may be wanting to do something altogether different. Well, hallelujah. 
Gideon had his good points, but he wasn't the perfect example, I can promise you. In fact, Gideon's whole fleece was because he doubted God. I mean, God answered clearly the first time. All right, I, I'm really messing things up. We were going good there for a few minutes until I got down to the nitty gritty, but. Hallelujah. There's no variableness in God. There is no shadow of turning. And I'm telling you that if we can set our hearts to seek after the God of our fathers, God, I'm not looking for something that is new. I'm not looking for the latest fad in Pentecost. I'm telling you, church, please hear me. Please hear me. I've traveled around enough. Not everything that calls itself apostolic is apostolic. And I'm seeing so much nonsense these days. Gotten to the point where, honestly, I was at a gathering. I was on my way to a gathering. I was listening online. This happened before I got there, but they were up there telling people to loose spirits and 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 loose the spirit of sacrifice. And I'm so, who who bound it in the first place? Where's all this stuff coming from? It's not something you read the apostles did. We're going to loose monetary blessings now. What what are you talking about? This is stuff you've picked up from the charismatics. It's not something you learn from the Bible. Saints of God, hear me. I'm not throwing stones at others, but I'm going to tell you, we got to get back to the God of our fathers. We got to quit letting T.D. Jakes and all these other guys tell us how to have church. Tell you, I fight that in Africa with everything I've got. There, there is one place I go to that the minute you go to touch them, they just fall on the floor because they think that's what they're supposed to do because all they've done is watch Benny Hinn. And I try to tell them Benny Hinn would just brush his teeth. They wouldn't all be falling out when he blows. What a bunch of nonsense. But it's not it's not just them I'm watching it right here as as those who claim to be one God apostolics are buying into this but I want to tell you what God wants to happen God wants some God wants some people who are going to start seeking the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob God I want it the old-fashioned way I want it just like you did it back then I've heard the stories of Azusa. I've heard the stories of the things that have happened, of the glory of God that fell, and I want to see it just like that. I'm not looking for something new. I'm not looking for some new fad. I want the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob to make himself real to me and to this church. 
so the first thing I think that helped make this such a successful prayer was the fact that Elijah wanted to let Israel know we don't have to follow all of these popular ways let's just go back to the way our fathers did it because they saw results real results they didn't have to fake miracles they didn't have to fake the gifts of the spirit I want it just like that anybody else feel that way I want the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want the God of verbal being. Ellie Westberg. I want the God of those men. I want to see what they saw. I want to experience what they experienced. I don't want something newfangled. I like the old time preaching, praying, singing, shouting. I like the old time preaching of God's word. That's what my heart's hungry for. And I believe that's what God is looking for, is people who will seek after the God of our fathers. Let's go back to the old time way. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Let's stand and lift our hands to the Lord right now. Oh, hallelujah. 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 I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Come on, let's talk to the Lord. God, give us that old-fashioned move of the Spirit. Take us back to the old brush arbor days. Take us back, God. Take us back to the depths of your Spirit. To when the glory of God moved and we didn't have to work it up. We didn't have to have gimmicks and sensationalism, but just a genuine old-fashioned move of the Holy Ghost. Oh, that's it. Let's find a place to pray. Let's talk to him right now, everybody. <laughs>